Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm in the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome back to the Capital Club podcast. Today I'm here with Stephen Flood. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us from the faraway Isle of Ireland. Thank you so much, Brian. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So Stephen is the CEO of Goldcore, one of the oldest gold and silver dealers in the market today that has turned over a billion dollars in transactions and manages 300 million in assets for their clients. After Stephen received his degree at uh, Portobello Business College in Dublin, Ireland, he began his career in finance. He held financial and trading positions in New York City before joining Goldman as a sales trader in equity derivatives. When he returned to Ireland to put his experience in trading risk and financial markets at Goldman to good use, his entrepreneurial drive led him to establish his own financial services firm at Goldcore, where they advise clients on gold and silver purchasing and storage. So when I was prepping for this conversation, I just Googled you know, gold as an investment. And it was interesting. We're recording this in August of 2022. And the first couple of articles that the algorithm pushed out to me were why gold matters because of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. So my question to you is, what problem does gold solve in today's environment? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. It's, it's really, I mean, you own gold uh, because you're looking for a, uh, an investment, an asset allocation that is separated from the economic system. So if you think about, if you buy a house for an investment, like an apartment to rent, the rent dictates the value of that apartment. So if the rent goes up, the yield goes up, the apartment value goes up, you make money. But with gold, there's no yield. There's no cash flow. There's there's actually only cost. There's there's a cost to carry. Uh, So it's actually a liability to own gold. 
Well, that in itself actually makes it really valuable because it's divorced from the economic system. So if you think all stocks are based on anticipatory future cash flows, and that dictates what the value of a stock is today, and a bond based on coupons and whatnot, all these investments, uh, they're all actual investments, so they have actually active cash flows dictating their value. Where gold, you don't have that. And thereby, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an investment that people go to in order to protect themselves from negative cash flows in the broader economy. So when you have something like Russia happening, it disruptions to the foods, uh, food supply, anything happening in the world, there's so many different ways the Russian crises can morph into other crises and affect your portfolio. You own gold because it's a safe haven asset. People go there when they want to protect money. They want a return of their capital, not a return on capital. And that is actually straight to the point. So it's a safe haven asset. It's where you. It's like the dollar. It's like the yen. It's like certain treasuries. Gold is also a safe haven asset. Yeah, I've always thought of it in my own mind as an almost a negative yielding bond, but with some type of appreciation associated with it. I'm sure that's inartful. But to your point, I, I think people do confuse. And I and I want to get into this, and maybe now's the time. There's different ways to approach this asset class, right? You can own physical gold, you can invest into various proxy indices or or ETFs, et cetera, that reflect the price of gold. And there's obviously the mining side of it as well. Does your Mm. firm touch all aspects of gold and silver? No. No, no, we're, we're, we're solely focused on the physical metal. So we, one other aspect to, to, to our offering is that we're very, very much focused on the counterparty risk that tends to come with traditional investments, which people discount greatly. They kind of trust the system. They trust the feds. They trust the regulator. We will be of the mind that that trust is misplaced, especially in times of extreme uncertainty, and that the system does fail, can fail. And I would put my hand up and tell you that it will fail. It's on a trajectory to fail, uh, given the uh, the reliance now on printed money to um, uphold the financial system, the banks and the players in it, and also to manage the uh, the bond market, which is what's happening now uh, quite blatantly by the uh, the feds. Uh, the all central banks in the world are actively managing the yields on government debt. They're buying government debt. They are printing money. The politicians now have their hands on those those printing presses, and they are um, they're deploying those printed monies uh, into people's bank accounts. They're doing it. You can see it in the uh, election cycle that's taking place in the United Kingdom, where they're literally falling over themselves to promise uh, to print money to put into people's bank accounts to um, preserve them from energy costs. So things like gold stand out because. When you own gold in your portfolio, as part of a diversified portfolio, I mean, we would we don't think you should put everything into gold, but there's a very strong argument to put at least 10% in there. And and in fact, if you put 10% in there and the, the market starts to fall, so there's 90% of your portfolio is falling off because of things like Russia, Taiwan, whatever you want to choose, that, that 10% will start to grow. And it should take the sting out of a correction. And in that case, what it does is it gives you comfort as an investor. You're not all in on the market. So if the market falls, you're not looking at a potential zero washout. You're, oh, you have gold. It's always never going to go to zero, uh, in my in my view. Uh, it's going to start rising in times of uncertainty, and uh, you'll be glad you have it there. And that might even then settle your nerves and allow you to enter the market before the rest of the market does and pick up bargains uh, when there's so-called blood on the streets. So I think gold is actually has, a, has an enormously powerful psychological uh, benefit 
to investors. Uh, we recently just did a survey last week in the UK, and we asked people who own, who have bought gold or who plan to buy gold, uh, how they feel about inflation. And they are significantly calmer about it. Uh, whereas people who don't own gold or have never owned gold or don't know, don't plan to are much more nervous about the market and what inflation is going to do to their household balance sheets. And that is, that goes to the very nub. And that's why it's a, it's an incredibly important part of a diversified portfolio. So you alluded to this right now in your statement. And I've got friends who are gold bugs and they typically own physical gold for the most part. There is seemingly a strain within this community of, distrust towards some of these larger global organizations. You referenced uh, the Fed, what's happening in the UK, it's central government, central planning. What is it that got you into gold? Was it a similar mindset? I mean, you you used to work at the guts of Wall Street and you saw the machine firsthand, right? Was that part of the journey that brought you to where you are today? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a free market capitalist. I'm, I've become a libertarian the more I read. I'm very uh, skeptical about big government and promises. I do think that there's an awful lot of dumbing down of the population. I'm not as political as many of our American customers might be. And in America, everything gets politicized now. And and I don't know the right answers. Uh, I'm I'm always learning and developing. But um, I do come from Wall Street uh, and I, I very much enjoyed my time there. It was very much part of the financial technology side of things. So how do we trade? How do we manage risk? Um, I wasn't really into the portfolio allocation side of things, but when I got into gold, I did so quite accidentally. My old school friend, Mark, uh, had set up Goldcore a few months previous when I got back to Ireland, and I was looking to set up a financial services firm. It could have been a brokerage of some description. I was looking to put my uh, well, my, my, my um, experience to work, and he needed help. So we, we went into business together, and that was 18 years ago. He, he sold out about two years ago and has left me in charge now. But the, but the, the, my, my entryway into gold wasn't based on history or an appreciation of gold or whatever, anything. It was really just a financial, uh, opportunity. Um, but since then, and my customers and clients have massively educated me and I, and I really, uh, sympathize and empathize with them and the motivations behind why they have gold. To me, it comes down to the individual looking for personal sovereignty. And that's really personal financial sovereignty. You know, you, you know, having a home, having a, having land, having control over your financial life safety is very, very important. And, uh, and financial sovereignty is something people don't look at. They're, they're all in on digital currencies. They're all in on digital banks. They're mobile phones. Uh, many of these systems are highly susceptible to hacking, to being down. Uh, and, and I don't think it's crazy or gold buggy to kind of say, you know what? Uh, I don't want to be all in on the system. I want to have my hedge. I want to have my uh, my go bag ready to go, hoping to God I never need it. So gold kind of fulfills that important role. And I think it absolutely makes sense. And that's why people have it there. There are people who go 100% in on gold, and that's okay. As long as they know what they're doing and they've done their research and they're comfortable doing so. We have retired people who are all in on gold. They have no debts. They just want to draw down a small amount of it every year just to pay their bills. And that's it. So it's a, it's, it's, there, there's a huge, very eclectic mix of people and motivations behind owning gold. But I do think in today's world of technology, integration, hacking, I think it's never been more important. So you reference personal sovereignty. I want to unpack that a little bit more and, and push back a little bit. 
is not completely divorced from the global economy, right? The pricing and valuations are impacted greatly by these other levers being pulled across the globe, be it markets, fixed income, or some of these larger central banks that you referenced earlier. How do you wade through that conversation? Because no matter what you do, you're still going to be part of this, what is today, global economy. You can't truly divorce the pricing or the valuation of even physical gold bars from everything else happening in the world. No, absolutely not. And it's it's all part of the ecosystem. Uh, and gold has has had bad years and good years. But what's really interesting is if you look at the, uh, the performance of gold across almost all currencies in the world over the last, I think it's, uh, we have statistics going back to 2002. Uh, about 20 years and it, it's its average return is between something like seven and 12 percent annualized across all currencies not always at the same time because they're all in different economic cycles but it's consistently performed relative to other assets and if you look at it as part of a diversification when you add it to a portfolio it reduces your 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 volatility and it can increase and improve by a few basis points your return that's exactly the kind of alloc- uh, um, asset that you want to introduce to a diversified portfolio. And it's amazing that it does that because it has no return. It doesn't actually do anything. It should be actually zero. It should be valued at zero. Neg- it should be valued at negative zero uh, because it actually costs. It has no uh, per- uh, purpose. Now, it obviously has a lot of industrial uses and stuff like that. But for the most part, investors lose money holding gold, but they make it on a capital appreciation. But it, what it has is a scenario value that's attached to it. So when that um, black swan appears and inflation goes crazy and hyperinflation or uh, deflation, whatever particular economic scenario, gold comes into its own and it becomes something that people want and appreciates. And that, that, that goes to the original point I made about, you know, balanced settling the nerves and keeping you, you know, you know, on the straight and narrow. So I'm not asking you for financial advice. And this is obviously a question that you get a lot from folks you referenced it earlier. What is a reasonable allocation, right? If you just, to your point, someone like me, you know, I'm, I'm not all in on gold, but I do believe in its ability to act as a diversifier, act as a hedge against inflation. What's a rule of thumb that people can at least start the conversation with their financial advisors on? Well, most financial advisors will probably steer you into an ETF or some proxy gold investment, which you mentioned before. I was very impressed that you mentioned the word proxy. People think <laughs> well, I want to I want to get into that as well. Like these artificial proxies, I think they're really poor substitute for actual physical gold. But I mean, is it ten percent, fifteen percent? What is your opinion? What's your experience? Again, not financial advice, only my opinion. But typically, the does I love this old Wall Street adage that says, "Put ten percent of your money into gold and hope it doesn't work." You know, so if that ten percent <laughs> in there, it's going down. Everything else is going up, and vice versa. If it's going up, everything else is going down. I think that goes to the nub of it. But uh, I think the older you are, the less risk you want to take. And depending on how you determine what risk is, is it counterparty risk? Is it bank risk? Is it return, um, in capital return risk? Is it single uh, asset allocation risk you know, or market risk? Depending on what you, how you determine, that would really inform where you are. So we go through, we have a, uh, a strategy session with most new clients and we ask them a number of questions about their motivations. Like what is it that got them on the phone? Why are they calling? Did they read an article? Did they get the, was it a good friend told them to buy? Uh, and depending on what they say, we will steer them into different ways of owning gold. And typically, some people might be very worried about the world. We say, right, take physical possession, have it at home, bury it in your garden, whatever you need to do. It's your go bag. 
Uh, other people are looking for asset allocation and they have large amounts of, of assets. So we say, right, let's store that, in, but let's store it in multiple vault locations around the world. So we would say, you know, Zurich might be a good place because it's very unlikely that's going to become compromised. London perhaps is too. Let's put something in Asia. Let's put something in Salt Lake City. And so you spread it around. Um, and what we tell them is like, we're kind of the watchers on the wall. You know, if a situation like Hong Kong develops, now Hong Kong a few years ago was a major financial center. It's been carved out and emptied now because of the acts of the, the, the CCP, CCP in China. We told our clients years ago, Hey, we think uh, Hong Kong represents a risk now because there could be civil unrest. Your insurance policies that cover your physical gold could be compromised. We need to move your gold to Singapore. Hands up who wants to get on the plane. We had the plane set up and 97% of our clients move their allocated segregated gold to Singapore. That's key because what we do is we have everything segregated allocated, which means your gold and my gold don't sit right in, uh, together all mixed up. They're separated on the shelf. And if you want yours to go to one vault or go back home, fair enough, give us a phone call. It's out the door. And we think that's really important if you want to reduce counterparty risk. So I'd say, you know, own it the right way, own it physically, own it segregated, own it allocated, spread it around multiple vaults, have someone home and then be, and then be a, be a vigilant watcher on the wall with us and all our clients and share information with us when, when you see things that might go awry. And, the, and that's typically, you know, 10% would be a good starting point. If you're really worried about the world, maybe 20%. I think getting above that, you'd want to be, you want to take, uh, you know, take, do, do a lot of research, uh, but it depends on the client's expectations. Can you maybe unpack the term counterparty risk to people that aren't familiar with the concept? Yeah. I mean, like the, the world is, has, in some ways, has never been more connected. Uh, when you have the, the, the central bankers printing money, and, and doing so unbelievably so to, for the last, what, since 2008, what they do is they, they smooth out the economic cycle. So yeah, an economic cycle is really important. It finds out those companies that are poorly capitalized, are inefficient, and it, it favors the, uh, new, new inventions, kind of creative destruction. But when you smooth it out, you know, you don't have a bond default. The market loses its institutional memory for what a bond default is. They don't know what, uh, you know, what it looks like when a, when a, you know, a company, uh, loses its way. And so what we've had is this kind of nanny state in the capital markets where everything has been smoothed out. The, 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 the plunge protection team, whatever you want to call them, they come in, they protect the market, they protect the bond yields. Uh, everyone gets bailed out and you have, um, a, a, a terrible situation where institutional memory is lost and robustness is lost. So I think where, whenever the next cycle, down cycle happens, and I, do, I don't think they'll be able to control it, uh, you could find that there could be real systemic damage done and your high street bank or uh, even a sovereign uh, could come under serious pressure. Even currencies could come under serious pressure. The euro could, could collapse. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but we don't know how these things you know, get out of hand. We're, we, we've been um, protected and pampered for so long I think there's so much dead wood on the forest floor. A small fire could could do serious damage and grow into a firestorm uh, financially. So I do think that people have to be aware. How do these things link up? What what happens if it's a bond crisis in Europe? How does that affect the American investor? Uh, what happens to the Florida uh, property market? You know, these type of things they're all connected. The cash flows are all connected. And I think a lot of banks and a lot of financial institutions, a lot of hedge funds, they don't have. It's hard to see the asset. And the liability side of their balance sheets, because they use complex uh, arrangements to hide one from the other. 
So they might look great on paper from as a, as a portfolio, but they have these unknown liabilities that could become from the form of derivative contracts or other other type of liabilities that we just don't see. So I do think that if you do, the economic cycle being being deprived from the market means that these kind of risks are very very real, and I think you got to look at it as a financial sovereignty type of play. What can you do to disconnect or di- unplug yourself from that in some way? And I think 10, 20% allocation to physical gold sitting on a shelf in Zurich with no liabilities and instantly available for sale. And uh, it's physically there. You know, I don't think it gets any better than that. So let's continue the conversation that I cut you off early on. Why possession of physical gold? Why not some of these? You know, like I said earlier, proxy ETFs or indices, and then you know, what are your thoughts about getting exposure to this space through mining stocks, mining companies, be they public or private? Yeah, I mean, like uh, I think we we kind of say investors are people who look at gold from a, a a kind of a structural point of view. They're looking to diversify. They're looking at that scenario risk that it bring that 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 hedging that it brings to the table. Um, those people tend to the ones that have thought about it tend to value the physical metal because they want that gold that in extremis as as um uh, as who who said that um central banker from years back in extreme times it's always going to be there it's it's never questioned those who are looking for a speculative play more short term who want to own it as cheaply as possible because the ETF is really cheap you know you can own it for like you know anywhere from you know 20 to 30 basis points uh then that's a great way to own it so the ETF is a great way to do that for a short-term basis, but you're you're kind of saying you're, you're not really looking at the, reg- the 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 underlying risks that might be there. If you look at the prospectus of the ETFs that are out there, the big popular ones, basically all of the promoters of them are completely indemnified. Should anything go wrong, or anything gets stolen or removed, or the vault breaks down, whatever happens, the investors left holding the bag, basically uh, empty bag. Uh, whereas if you have physical in a, in, a, in a vault. There's no bank anywhere near those assets. There's no liabilities unknown to you. There's nothing. It's just pure gold sitting there. So uh, mining, absolutely. Look at that. There's some there's some great uh, experts in the mining sector uh, who might give you an idea. But really what you're playing there is an equity play with a management team and the ability to extract alpha from some sort of uh, play, uh, some sort of physical resource. That's, that's, that's a bet on that team and their ability to do that extraction of value. Uh, for you as a shareholder. There's an awful lot of mining companies that spend more time promoting their stocks than they do actually extracting the the asset. And I, see, I do think it's a little bit more risky, but there are some really good good companies out there. We, we ourselves don't specialize in that, but we do know some really good in, uh, advisors who are absolutely brilliant and we, we think very highly of. So how does this work? You know, If I want to buy physical gold, say I'm going to put it at 10% of my overall portfolio. I call you up. What happens next? Yeah. So um, people go on our website, uh, it's goldcore.com and they can open up a, an account in about three minutes. They can document themselves in about five and then they're welcomed with the bank details if they want to wire money across to us. Everything's held in a segregated client account. It's not mixed up with our own funds and it stays there as their asset uh, until they say otherwise. They can then, once the money clears, they can log in, place an order, choose where they want to store it. And we've got 11 vaults around the world, all of them segregated, allocated, and uh, and they can buy their bullion. I'd advise, though, if they haven't done it before, get on the phone. We have an amazing customer service team. And this is really important. None of them are incentivized to make a sale. We will not allow that in our company. Sometimes it's not a fit that a customer buys gold they might or silver. They might be doing so without thinking through exactly what they're doing. 
And so we'll step them through it, but there's no hard sale. No one's paid a commission. Uh, we want customers for the long term and we want them on the right terms uh, that fits them and us. We have a 4.8 out of 5 ranking with our customers over 12 years, about 2,500 uh, views, all of them legitimate. And uh, we're really, really proud of those comments. And they're on, they're on our website as well. But it's really easy to buy through us. We're plugged in with all the major refiners and all the major mints. We get really good pricing. We don't try to push what are called kind of um, these high premium products, like rare coins or any of this nonsense. Um, we don't do any tricks. There's a, lot, there's a lot of people out there. Anyone who see advertising on TV, typically I would stay away from. They, they are, they're typically going to uh, bring in a lot, um, kind of a, a, a bait and switch tactic and put you into high premium products. And, and they're great talkers. So um, we, we're, we don't operate that way. We're very, very ethical. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we, we'll, we'll figure out what, what's best for the customer, what motivates them. We'll go through a strategy session. We also, because we've been around for 18 years, I mean, it's, 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 it's a quite a while, and we have a lot of customers, a lot of, a lot of um, transactions under our belt. Uh, and what we did was we, we opened up an office. We have an office in California, in um, Irvine, and we also have an office in Naples, Florida, which we just opened about a week ago, um, which is really exciting. And uh, so we have people on the ground ready to take your call. Um, and you can also speak to myself in Ireland if you want. Just ask for myself, Stephen Flood. Um, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. I'll, I'll definitely take the call. And uh, what we did was we put about we put all of our most, I think, the, the, the best lessons that you need to know if you're going to get into the gold market. And we put them on a guide. And it's called goldintheusa.com. Uh, um, if you could put a link into your show notes, it'd be great. Goldintheusa.com. And uh, you download that. It's no cheesy sales material. Just a few really, really good things to watch out for when you're buying gold and questions to ask. Want to learn more about investing in alternatives? Get started by joining the Capital Club, where you'll get exclusive access to alternative investment opportunities, premium content and education, and an affinity peer-to-peer network of industry professionals. You can sign up by going to our website at www.excelsiorgp.com. Yeah, so you already front ran. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, what I'm are sorry. red flags? No, no, it's perfect because I was going to ask, what are red flags? What are questions that people do need to be asking when they're yeah. talking to a group like yours? And, and you covered most of that. Can you maybe, what's it been like? We're recording this in August of 2022. Inflation is all anyone can talk about for the last three plus months speculation that, you know, the fed is going to continue in the U S be very aggressive raising rates. What are your thoughts about how the value of gold will behave in today's current environment? Well, um, it's kind of been going sideways in your, in dollar terms coming off a little bit, it, you know, from its all time high, but in other currencies, it's done really well in other currencies around the world. It's, it's well up, you know, over the last year, Whereas with dollars, it's flat. But the 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 really interesting thing is inflation is here. But most people, inst- the institutional memory of what inflation actually means in that house, household balance sheet, they're not aware of it yet. They haven't felt it. So it's conceptual. Uh, they're still going on holidays. They're still traveling. They're still buying things if they can. Uh, we have a supply side uh, issues, which is driving a lot of inflation. But the biggest driver of inflation is printed money and helicopter money that's been hitting people's bank accounts over COVID. And because they are, they opened that Pandora's box, because it was a special situation and they had to, you know, issue checks uh, with the president's name on it politically. I mean, it's totally political from the Treasury. The minute the inflation starts to hurt, 
and the consumer does uh, goes downturn, uh, what they'll do is they'll print money again in order to protect the consumer, in order to win the next election cycle. And that's just going to drive more inflation. So we knew they were doing, they were printing money for the institutions over the last crisis and have done for many years. That money is there. It's all hitting, uh, uh, hitting the ground at the same time. And now the consumer is going to get in on the act and the party is going to keep going. Inflation will go and go and go. And then people will print, they'll print more and more money. Uh, and what happens ultimately is people lose faith in the money. It'll be like the Confederate dollars of, of, of old, uh, back, back in, in, in the, in the American Civil War. And, uh, and you're going to find that the, the dollar will lose more and more value. It's already lost about 98, 99% of its value of the last hundred years. Uh, when they print money, they're taxing the buying power of your after tax earnings and your pension and your savings accounts. They're taxing you again. And these people who are printing money, which is the Fed and the, uh, in, 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 with the treasury are unelected. They're not elected. And that's taxation without representation, a concept that is not lost on the, on the majority of Americans who work really, really hard. And so I think eventually the faith in the dollar will be, will be eroded further and, uh, and people will look for alternatives. If you told me gold was going to be $10,000 an ounce in two or three years, I would not be surprised. Uh, when we set up, we were selling gold at $300 an ounce back in 2003. You know, it's now at $1,700, $1,800 an ounce. Uh, so it's, it's, it's multiples higher. I think it's going to be multiple hires again. And I don't think necessarily gold is going up in price, but dollars are going down in value. And I think that's actually a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like relative purchasing power, right? It's yeah. it's to your point, the US dollar losing purchasing power, gold maintaining, but on a relative basis to one another, that's a that's a win. That's mm-hmm. that's that's an up and to the right. And it's always interesting to speak to folks who are positioned outside the US to hear their commentary on domestic politics because I think they do have better perspective than we do in the US because it's so hard to get true information any longer it seems like and and i agree with you personally i think once you've given people universal basic income or whatever term you want to throw at it you know giving people less quality of life never turns out well you can look at europe as an example of (laughs) when people are given something and then you take it away they don't react well to that. And so I think regardless of whatever political parties in power, we've seen that this works in the near term in terms of giving people money for free. And I don't think we can go back, in my opinion. It's very hard. It's really, really hard. It takes huge political courage to do so. It's not a popular thing to say. But if you go back to the founding fathers, what they were all about was individual empowerment and liberty and freedom and a a small government and representation. And what you have now is a, a, um, a um, ballooning government and, and promises. They have controlled the currency. And, and the original constitution actually prohibited them from doing that and tied it to gold and silver, uh, which sounds crazy. But uh, the reason was because it becomes politicized. And that's where we are now. I think we're in the end game of this cycle. I don't know what is to come. I'm really, really concerned about the political rhetoric we, we hear from the Republicans and the, and the Democrats. They're diametrically opposed. And the commonality that they used to share, that may be 25% of both camps that actually overlapped. And that's where the business of business got done is now completely polarized. And they're not even talking. There's hatred there. Um, and we're, we're, you know, very worried. I mean, we have clients who are moving from, you know, mixed states to red states and other ones are moving to blue states. What the hell is going on? I mean, like, 
this is really, really dangerous times. And it's, I think it's exasperated by this social media experiment that we've never seen before because biases are being exploded out uh, and being reinforced in order to keep attention on uh, and gain advertising dollars. I think the, the, if we could somehow turn the clock back on those algorithms and bring back that social commentary to, to, to reason and empathy and compromise, you know, there might be a chance of turning this thing around. But right now, it's on, it's on a really bad trajectory. And, uh, and, the, and the monetary system is really important in this because you don't know what value is. You don't know where to invest. You don't know where to protect yourself. Yeah. And it's, and it's such a wonderful country. I mean, my, my wife's American. My three boys are American. She's from Buffalo. Uh, and I spent many years over there and I'm absolutely in love with the country. Um, and it's, it's sad to see the, 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 what's happening there between those two camps. I, I just think it's, it needs to change. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually from Albany myself. So, so it's good okay. to have another upstate New York connection and, uh, a conversation for another day, probably offline, but I did look into, you know, how to gain Irish long-term visa status or citizenship. So, you know, very good. It, it's yeah. not lost on me. Um, Ireland's got a lot of positives when you think about the, the physical location, the isolation, it's got really good, uh, agricultural base. Obviously it doesn't have a lot of exposure or, you know, it doesn't lean on a lot of other countries in terms of its production in a lot of ways. No. Um, so it's got a lot of things going for it. It's a fairly unified political community as well. So yeah. anyways, uh, I, I, I've done a little bit of homework there. Following question to this larger inflation, macroeconomics, geopolitical, you talk about experiments in social media. What about this experiment with digital currency? You know, many yeah. people pitch it as digital gold, which I'm, I'm sure you push back against that definition, but it's an experiment that's gone awry, at least in terms of where it stands today. The market's been crushed. It, it's gained a little bit, but it's still really, really down. And there seem to be some little, very significant political forces that are going to be attacking it as well. What are your thoughts about that as you know, a version of gold or something that, that people should educate themselves about? Well, it's not a version of gold. I'm, I wouldn't be, I would never be in that camp, but I am a big fan of blockchain technology itself as an efficiency that is, I think is like the wheel. It's like a one in a thousand year technology that's going to transform every facet of, of service and industry right across the board. And it could, it, it could, it brings so much benefit to society in terms of reducing waste and um, disintermediating the, the the countless white collar uh, middlemen that take rent from all parts of our economy and increase costs to the consumer. So I think there's a huge efficiency there. Blockchain all the way, a big fan. Crypto is a experiment in blockchain in the use of currencies. That's all it is. Um, but then it has attracted huge amounts of promoters um, who have uh, who are who are selling their books. And uh, they're doing that in a, in, a, in a backdrop where we have negative interest rates, negative real interest rates. And so um, if cash and, and money is a liability in your account, anything that's not that or has potential upside is going to be sold. So that's where the, the, the move to blockchain, um, where, oh, sorry, Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these different times, there's like 15,000 of them now. You know, uh, you and I could create a blockchain now in the next half hour if we wish. So um, I do think there's an awful lot of promoters. Most people are, 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 well, can be quite naive. Uh, I'm particularly worried about Africa, actually, in this in this context, 
because they, in a lot of African countries, have very, very poor systems, poor currencies, and have desperate need. And people are putting their money into Bitcoin and other things in this kind of like, you know, gambling perspective. And they're going to lose. They have lost their shirts and they, they can't afford that as an economy. So I'm really worried about them. I think the West, we can afford to lose the billions that have been lost so far, but they can't. So I do think uh, uh, blockchain is brilliant. Crypto is very, very dubious. Central bank digital currencies will be coming out very shortly. And when they do, I do think that their friends in the press will attack uh, every everything that's every private big uh, block, uh, blockchain currency and associate it with you know murderers and terrorists and everybody else they need to. It'll be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and uh, and they'll kill those markets as quick as they possibly can. Libertarians love the idea of, of, of Bitcoin because it has this kind of like the people's currency, which goes back to what we said before about the founding fathers and you know, liberty. It is. Currency should be in the hand of the people. It shouldn't be in the hand of the feds or the government. It should be something that's traded amongst people. So I'm a big fan of that concept. I don't think in a million years it's going to happen, not until the system re- resets itself. And um, and I do think money and the control of money is power and power is political. And they're not going to give up control over the dollar or the printing presses uh, on, until they have to. So it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating time, really interesting time what's happening. Right. That was my next question was going to be this concept of personal sovereignty that we discussed earlier. Is there a parallel to be drawn or an extrapolation that you could make where Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, blockchain technology could eventually threaten the concept of the modern nation state in many ways? And is that why they're going to regulate the hell out of it? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, um, you know, possibly... You know these these empires they tend to run their course. The the U the American hegemony the uh, may have run its course. I don't know what the future holds for U.S. A lot of U.S. strength comes from the dollar, and 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 that's something that people don't actually realize. It's not the military; it's the dollar, and and that's how they 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 project power uh, globally. But I do think that if you look at the if you look at the the amount of globalization that's happened, if you look around your office there, the amount of items and where they've been sourced today versus 50 years ago, you know, in terms of production, we are very global. And I do think city states like Singapore and places like that um, have shown what, how powerful and, 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 and wealthy they can become on the back of commerce. I don't know. Um, it's really interesting. Maybe, maybe Britain, the UK might, might come out of this Brexit cycle and become a huge firepower again in, in, in the world uh, commercially. I mean, I don't see it right now with the type of leaders they have because they're awful. But um, unshackled city states may be, uh, and crypto, you know, possibly leads into that because those currencies then compete as well. I do think, and this is my total wild card, I do think the Chinese will make a play for reserve currency status in some way, and I would not be surprised if they did so on the back of some sort of gold allocation, in part, you know, it's some sort of trade weighted. Uh, commodity backed where gold plays a really important part. And I think if you look at that as a currency and it's, 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 it's anchored to gold, uh, or, or silver or some combination. And then you look at the dollar, which has been printed in the treasury auctions, which are very lightly covered. Yeah. Maybe people might start, you know, issuing debt in those currencies or migrating across, which would be kind of crazy considering the way China's run. But, um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's all up to, it's all to play for. 
So we've had a pretty far-ranging conversation going from <laughs> the fall of the nation state to the American forefathers to inflation, geopolitical risk, volatility. What are some things that you do in your everyday life to bring yourself, you know, financial peace, emotional peace? I'm a big fan of Ray Dalio, uh, the hedge fund manager. I just think he's absolutely fantastic. And I read his, I, I read his book, um, I think it's Principles. And uh, which I got to tell you, a lot of it was, you know, above my pay grade because you have to read it a few times to really get into what he's saying, because it's really fascinating. Something you have to read, read it over and over again. But he did talk about uh, meditation, which I've always dismissed all that stuff as being kind of just oddball activities. But when he said it, I listened and I started doing meditation about two years ago. Uh, it's called TM, Transcendental Meditation. And uh, I did a course in it. And oh my God, it was absolutely life-changing for me uh, in that it had this calming effect, allowed me to kind of, um, I don't know what it was. It was like having the best sleep of your life. You just felt really refreshed, but in a much deeper way. Uh, and you could turn on that kind of focus. Um, and it takes a few weeks of doing it before you actually get benefits. So you have to keep doing it. So I would say anyone who's like got an awful lot coming at them and is, in a, in a, in a, is enjoying life, but also is acknowledging the stresses of life, do a transcendental meditation course. Uh, it's not as hokey pokey as and weird as you might think. It's actually really, really smart. And that's the one thing I would I would I would suggest that people do. Yeah, it, re- it reminds me of uh there's an old there's still a number of Quaker schools in America remaining, and they have every day mandatory 12 minutes of silence, but in a community setting. So they all get together in a chapel or a room. And it's not really a religious experience, but it is something that they do as a daily exercise. Yeah. And so it's interesting. I ask this question to a number of people and I get the meditation response very often. So seem to be onto something. Uh, Stephen, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's been super interesting. If people are interested in learning more about the firm, they want to connect with you and learn more about accessing physical gold, what's the best way for them to get in touch? So the website's goldcore.com. We have a really cool uh, educational um, video series on YouTube called the M3 uh, Report, which we just started. And we're getting huge uh, positive feedback from our clients. So I'd go there for just educational purposes. But yeah, go on to goldcore.com, open an account or contact us through there. I'd love to take a call if anyone's interested. And we can do a strategy session and talk about um, you know what the best fit for them might be. And, uh, and come see us in Naples or come see us in Irvine, California as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll inclo- include the content information in the show notes. Stephen, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. You too, Ryan. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Capital Club. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered.